You're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. I can remember vividly when the feature film The Terminator came out. It was an evolution of film. It provided a brand new way of collecting filmography inside of the silver screen. The concept of guerrilla filmmaking was also born there with James Cameron, Linda Hamilton, and a cast who has now become incredibly renowned throughout a couple of good films and then a bunch of other drudgery. But that's not important right now. What's important right now is that we're going to talk about AI. Inside of that film, you'll remember the concept of Skynet, the element that was out to kill us all. Well, as of this year, we found that AI has become more popular in podcasting. But what does it all mean? Well, we're going to find out inside this episode of the Podcast Gauntlet. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Brian Ensminger, the other of your hosts. Brian, why don't you give us the formal title for this episode, since my wonderful intro probably didn't <laughs> include it. Yeah, I love the intro, because that's got that whole Skynet, is it going to kill us all, or is it going to, yeah. <laughs> the formal title is, what does AI voice modeling do to podcasting and voiceover? This is a tremendous awakening of technology, something that I remember noticing when they started coming out with just what were essentially, quote, human voices inside of a web browser, whether it's going to be your virtual guest host that appeared inside of a web browser to welcome and tour people inside of web content, or if you had entire presentations that were going to be built on top of someone that would just look like they're speaking and then have some sort of computer animated avatar that would move and wiggle while they spoke as you went through a series of guided content. That's where I originally saw this. What that's now evolved into, very much like the Terminator films, is with the advent of a variety of different technologies and usage cases inside of podcasting, it's now become a way to completely generate what sounds like your and my voice via a completely AI element. Yeah. Uh, w without question. The one where it's become most prominent for me is, of course, because in the, in the vein of entertainment review, is respeecher. And respeecher is the element and technology being used to re-emulate the voice of James Earl Jones, i.e. Darth Vader, so that now James Earl Jones, who is approaching his 90th birthday, no longer has to actually speak a word as Darth mm -hmm. Vader. They just generate the voice of Darth Vader and put it into whatever television series, streaming series, or feature film that they're going to need it in the future. Right. That was the first, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on here? There's no more James Earl Jones? And what sprung from that was another piece of technology that I think Brian and I both use currently. It's called Descript. Yeah. Inside of Descript, there was a very interesting element that allowed you to read a series of, say, four, four and a half paragraphs of information that would run through the pronunciation cues that are needed to try and collect how you as a person would say a variety of words in place, in cadence, as you speak inside of a window into a microphone that would then be captured. And then right. the computer would analyze all of that, the sounds, the consonant pronunciations, the dramatic pauses perhaps you use, some of the animation when you get excited, when you want to really talk about something, 
And then it would then emulate all of that through AI. Right. Or at least that's and the goal. And this is where it – yeah. And this is where it starts to just gets really scary because what happens when somebody just has your voice and now you can type words and whatever Brian or myself or someone else are saying, especially someone that has so much element online that is our voices. Yeah. That could just be essentially read into a microphone. Well – what are we looking at here, Brian? There's a couple of really scary, we'll call them the Skynet options. One is definitely the deep fake. I can't imagine being a politician or any kind of true public figure in today's climate because uh, they're already doing stuff with images. It's only a matter of time before you can't believe what you hear. I constantly see ads on Facebook or other places as well for these video generation services where you just put in the text and you'll get a professional sounding voiceover from a bot. And of course, there are some challenges with those in terms of getting the pacing and the inflection, all that stuff. I can definitely see a very positive use case that we'll get to probably in a minute. Well, actually, let, let's hit the positives because I think there's a couple. Yep. One would be for archival purposes, you mentioned James Earl Jones. One that comes to mind for me that would not necessarily be a nefarious use was in the most recent Top Gun that had Val Kilmer in it. But he's had throat cancer, so he really can't speak anymore. But if they had samples of his voice, there are ways that they could have made him have a voice. Now, they wrote it into the story very well. I thought they handled it great. But that's one of those things where, you know, your voice changes over the years. And so 30 years from now, I'm not going to sound like this. So if there was a reason to have me sound like this, I would need to have that faked. The other use case that I can think of specifically for content creators is what I would call the idea stage where you could create a script or you could create some content using an AI to generate that so you could then sell that in if you're trying to sell a concept or sell a video idea or something. And then you come back later and you have the people do the final work because we haven't gotten to the place, and I hope we never get to the place where the computers do a better job than the person. Like I think about a voiceover artist like Mike Delgadio or any number of other great voiceover artists that – uh, the the TV commercial people, right? They're just amazing at what they do. I have trouble believing that a computer would ever truly replace that. However, I also know that there is always a group of people out there that only cares if it's close enough that nobody notices or gets turned off if they can save a dollar or a few thousand dollars. So there's that tension there around the whole, are we allowing this to devalue the art? And with that, I'll pass it back over to you. One of the use cases that I absolutely love is one that kind of sprung to life in the 90s. And it was the user case of Roger Ebert. And for those of you that don't know or have never heard the words Roger Ebert, Roger Ebert was a, a renowned feature film reviewer who, with Gene Siskel, Siskel and Ebert, generated some of uh, uh, golden review times inside of Entertainment Review. If you go over to YouTube and find any of their programming, even the most benign review, you'll find something terribly entertaining to enjoy from it. The gist is that after Siskel died, many years later, Roger Ebert went in for surgery. And when he came out of surgery, he was unable to speak. Mm. Okay, well, this is a huge deal for a dude that talks for a living on television. And the first thing that happened was there was a wondering if the collection and the library of audio that could be used to craft a voice for him. Well, and they tried it. And it was successful in that 
he was able to type out words and then the technology back then was able to go and graft on the little bits and syllables and consonants and the stuff so that he could have something that emulated what were parts of his voice inside of a pronounced series of sounds. You know, it did the job. It's better than not being able to speak, I guess. We'll include some samples to a lot of what we're talking about in the show notes that you can click on and go view down below inside the description here. Bottom line, though, is that that's the user case I think of immediately, is where if tomorrow I did not have my voice, but I was still alive and could type and whatever else, what exactly would I do to be generating the content, not only for my own stuff, but for anything else that I would want to do in the future? Okay, well, this becomes a real viable option where it's kind of the safety net, or uh, I would call it even a, a virtual ripcord, where instead of falling to the ground to your death when your voice is gone, you now have option. And the option is to go and capture what your voice sounds like currently inside of a variety of different tools. Descript, the one inside of Descript is one that I'm referring to. Also know that inside of that option that there are a, a series of check steps so that just anybody couldn't right. try and emulate your voice and then do or create any nefarious content that you wanted and then just get away with it. I think you could probably get away with it for a while. Probably, um, but yeah. as the incredulity would grow and become something that is totally unpliable anymore, they'd work it backwards and they'd figure it out. There's another sample that we're going to link to down below. It's from the guys over at Corridor Crew. And the Corridor Crew are really where I originally found out about this respeecher-like ability and then what they were able to do with it. Uh, I'm not going to spoil that video. Again, you can click on it down below and watch it. And I totally recommend that you watch all of it. Something that you should not skip through. You should understand the steps and the thinking that's going on. Because the guy that used it, well, he just wanted to show a sample, but he wanted to use his boss, his voice, to showcase the sample <laughs> nice it's a wonderful video but it also shows the power and the influence of the things that we're talking about which i think is actually unless you've got other user case stuff you want to talk about i think that actually helps us swing into what are the decidedly cons of what we're talking about yeah let's hit the cons and i think one other thing i'd like to do is maybe toward the end just speak to okay how does this apply to me or to the listener because I, I definitely want to hit that Sure. When we think about cons, I mean, like one of the ones I can remember vividly that we talked about when we were doing a program called the ScammerCast, which you can listen to over at ScammerCast.com. Over there, they're educating the people that take care of elders so as they don't become scammed. One of the scams that was incredibly prominent was to have someone who had a younger voice, whether it be female or male, and the scammers would find out a family member and what the family member makeup is. It's why those little icons in the back of your vehicle you know, where there's like, look, it's mommy and daddy. Mm -hmm. And then there's three kids and a dog and three cats and, and Boba Fett or whatever else is on the back. That's why it's so dangerous because you've now just shown somebody essentially the compliment of the people inside of your life. Anyway, the scammers would find out the makeup of a family. And if there was a teenager, what they would do is they would have a teenage voice call to someone that was older inside the food chain inside the family and say that I've been arrested or I'm in Mexico and I've been taken. And if you don't pay X amount of dollars via Western Union or whatever the process to get payment was, well, nothing good's going to happen. So I need you to do that quick, Grandma. And now imagine if rather than just a young voice, male or female, what was the actual voice of whomever it is, whether they're young or not? There's your huge user case. And that doesn't just go for, for, for grandparents or people that are older that are somewhere towards not being cognitively viable anymore. 
what would you do if the voice of your wife called and said, uh, honey, I need your help. You've got to, whatever the scenario is, what would you do exactly? And that's, uh, of the many, many cons, that's the one that's on top of the chart for me. Yeah, I I think (laughs) I hadn't even considered that one. I guess I'm not evil enough. The, (laughs) the other, and I'll call it a con because it's kind of a, a both and is the whole, the robots are coming to take our jobs thing. There are people in podcasting, in voiceover, in audiobooks who make their living providing great audio content. Mm-hmm. And more and more of that is being created, at least for the what I'll call the, the lower level market, the people that don't care, by AI. Now, I will say, like, I've got a Bible reading app and it's got daily devotionals in them. Well, they've used an AI to convert those to audio so I can listen to them. Now I know it's an AI. So there's value in that. However, if you're that service provider, there's, there's a, a little bit of, I would think apprehension that, you know, are, are the AIs, are the robots going to take my job away? And it's not necessarily, I don't want to say like it's nefarious, but it is a potential downside for at least a segment of people. Uh, the same thing could be said for, show notes writers. I actually use an AI tool to help create show notes now because it gets me through that first round very, very quickly so that I can go on to the next bit because it's not to the place yet where it's better than a writer, but my goodness, it's faster. <laughs> it doesn't like well, it takes it three minutes to do a transcription and come up with a very quick summary. It takes me an hour to go through an hour long episode because it's an hour. Like there's a baseline. I can't do it faster than I can listen. Well, and having a draft to work from, uh, I oh, mean, yeah. it's an amazing, amazing step forward. It, it easily is. Uh, we were talking about another case instance recently where I was looking at it. In fact, we're going to link to that one too. The gentleman's name, it's Roger Gowdy. And by the way, Roger, when, as we're conveying this, only has 10 subscribers. And I got to tell you, everybody, this video is awesome. The sample that he uses is, can ChatGPT really develop a brand new podcast from idea to execution? And I got to tell you, as the guy that has done all of this, except using ChatGPT to do it all, pretty freaking amazing. Like, seriously, you can chat with it. You can give it feedback on what, what's been developed. You can have it alter what it's given you to give you more, to give you less, to, to go in and prune based on things that you tell it and it will just understand you. So it's coming. <laughs> yeah. And something, something else I wanted to put in the, in the pro list that we really, really do need to make sure people understand is that, look, you don't have to support any of this. You don't ever have to get behind a chat GPT window or whatever the AI is window. You don't ever have to do that yourself, but you must be educated about it. You have to know something of what it can do. And this video from Roger that we're going to link down in the description and provide in the show notes for this episode is an excellent, excellent step-by-step sample of exactly what we're talking about and how it really does swing the whole gamut from the whole, wow, that's amazingly helpful. Even if it just starts the first draft and you can go in and, and scratch dialogue and do whatever else you want. But then also the other swing is, but then you don't do it. <laughs> and or, if somebody's or relying you? on you to do it or whatever else, what's yeah. going to happen now? Oh, the, the, the person in the middle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's one of the things at my day job that I constantly tell people is, okay, we're going to go ahead and do this wrong first. We're going to get something done. Then we're going to take a look at it and go, okay, this part wasn't right. And we're going to go fix it because getting to that draft on a page is often 75% of the work. 
Like no just question. going, how am no I question. going to try to express this? And then the refinement is, I, I mean, and, it's and, huge. And bully, bu- by the way, bully for you for doing that. That's missing in a variety of different workplaces, especially ones that I've worked at. And that's always appreciated that you, you would even bother to do that. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Can, can we move on to talking about like, so what does it mean for me? Because I have some thoughts about this. I've been thinking about this for several months. And I would like to say for... For those of you who are independent content creators, you've got a passion cast, you've got a business cast, you've got something where you're podcasting because you care about it and you care about people. I don't think there's anything to be afraid of. I I think that there's maybe some value to be taken up and maybe some ethical concerns to, to worry about. For example, don't be disingenuous. If you didn't do the research, don't publish something you haven't checked yourself. Like you've got all of that stuff. Don't pretend you've got somebody else's voice when you don't. All that stuff aside, I don't think there's a ton of stuff for you to be concerned about. For the service provider that's worried about maybe the the robots taking your job away, I would say first off, I, I feel you because that's a concern that I have as a podcast editor and also in my day job as an analyst because those are very complex things that are largely the, – the analyst part is largely algorithmic. However, I would also say that if you continue to focus on your craft and becoming better and better at what you do to differentiate yourself there and find ways to integrate the AI solutions when they make sense to help you make your workflow better, you will ultimately, unless you mess up what the AI did – end up with something better because you're good at what you do and you've gotten a leg up. I think about the studio model where you've got an engineer who has one or two or three assistants and their job is to take all the tracks and do all of the busy work and get everything ready so that the engineer can look like a genius and obviously is, or they wouldn't have the business, but they have those people. Well, let the AI be your assistant when it makes sense for the AI to do that. And... If you've decided not to do that, if you've decided to go completely the human resource model, make sure that that's clear in your marketing and your branding as a service provider. So as an example, my business, I do a lot of audio repair for audio. I use tools that do involve machine learning, but I don't do AI-based audio repair. I do, we listen to the stuff, we find the problems, we fix only what needs to be fixed so that we're not messing up everything. And that now needs to become part of my branding. I don't just slap it through the script and go, okay, well, the AI said this is what you should sound like. We don't recreate your voice. We do our best with what we can get. Would you get a result that sounds better from another solution? Yeah, sometimes, but that's not what we do. We take what you provided, we make it sound great. We don't just regenerate it because we're too lazy to learn how to do what we're doing. I think that's incredibly well said. What I would also caution everyone to understand is that you can throw whatever audio you've got, whatever video you've got through whatever you want and have a result. You don't have to have AI. Even when you do have AI, it doesn't necessarily come out great. There was a really great sample inside of a podcast that I'm generating now, and I don't think they'd mind me sharing this. It's the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. I'll Again, I'll put a link in the description. They're doing some wonderful things about making the conversations about mental health louder, and uh, I, I love all of that. Each of the guests that they've had is not only a, a wonderful window into what people generally will not or refuse to talk about or embarrassed to talk about. They just come in and they speak from the heart, and I love all that. Anyway... There was a a wonderful episode about a gentleman who, here in the St. Louis area, stopped to get some coffee and some crazy dude shot him. And it nearly killed him. 
And so it's their discussion about his survivor guilt and a variety of other things. The original audio, unfortunately, was captured via a cell phone, which for those right. that are not familiar, unless you've got an incredibly controlled environment, trying to capture something on a cell phone across three different people, it's usually disaster. There's very little that can be done, especially inside of El Crapo Room, and they were definitively inside of El Crapo Room. Anyway, so we tried throwing that through one of the variety of services to try and make it better. What we were able to do is to make it not sound nearly as loud, but what those pieces did was dummy down the quality. Thankfully, you can still understand and get enough of what they're talking about so that you get it, and it's not annoying but it is definitively generated speech rather than noisy speech that you'd likely turn off in an instant versus being able to listen to the story because it's so compelling. Essentially, when you, when you put in the words shot and left for dead, okay, well, I kind of want to hear what that story is. And so <laughs> yeah. that's where inside of the, the concept of generating that episode of the podcast, well, we put it on the cantilever of who's going to listen to something that says shot and left for dead versus how crappy can it sound? And then we just kind of find where the teeter-totter can match, and then we publish the episode. So you'll be able to hear what an AI will generate from an incredibly crappy episode. It's just not all that great. But it was the best that could be done with the tools that were available for that editor set. Right. That's what you're going to have to remember about all of this, is that just because you can throw something into a machine that will look like it performs faster does not necessarily mean that it's going to be somehow better than anything that you could do, regardless of how much time or little time you spend on it. Yeah. And I guess I would like to provide a little bit of context because I do sometimes try out AI tools for audio repair just because I want to know what's out there, right? Sure. What, yeah. what I've Education. Found, no question. What I've found is that if you feed one of these AI tools a really good recording, it's not going to do anything better and you might get something back that's worse. If you give it an okay recording you'll probably get something that was better, but not as good as if it was recorded well to begin with, and maybe not as good as you could do if you're really good at your craft in terms of audio repair. If you feed it a garbage recording that nobody could repair, you're going to get something that's better, but probably still unlistenable because it's, it's all about the quality of the ingredients. So I find that they do okay with not great recordings, but not terrible. And I don't feel like they do a great job with really good recordings to begin with where you shouldn't have used it anyway. Uh, that, that's incredibly well said. And I think, again, that episode of the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast is going to be a really great sample for all of you. For what it's worth and complete transparency, that was done with Adobe's new podcast builder re-sampler yeah, Adobe Enhance. Thing. Adobe Enhance. Yeah. Uh, and it was the beta version of that. So I've seen it do wonders. But I got to tell you, again, the sample of this audio on the front end of it was just trash. It was it was El Crapo audio. But the story is now out there and we were able to share it. And again, the value of the story, Shot and Left for Dead, instantly allows people to to get over the speed bumps of the quality of the sound to get the story. It's a hell of a story. It's definitively a hell of a story. That's actually where we ask you guys, what do you think about all this AI stuff inside of podcasting, inside of voiceover, most importantly, inside of audio editing? What do you think? I need you to stop. Take a second. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you're going to hit the subscribe button, but you're also going to jump below and put what you guys think inside the comments. Or if you're listening to this in our audio stream, go over to podcastgauntlet.com, fill out the quick web form and tell us what you guys think is going on with AI inside of the realm of not yet Skynet. 
Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Brian Ensminger, the other host. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.